Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved, listen. I got my trumpet out today because some of y'all are playing with your salvation. Listen to this because this scripture right here is going to set the complete tone for today's lesson. Listen, 2 Timothy 2.19. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Amen. So that scripture alone is telling us those who have claimed the name of Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You ain't supposed to be sinning. You're not supposed to be acting like the child of the devil. You're not supposed to be slandering the brethren. You're not supposed to be taking pot shots. You're not supposed to be smoking weed, fornicating, masturbating. You're not supposed to be lying and stealing and cutting up. You're not supposed to be divisive and a busybody. You're not supposed to be gossiping. You're not supposed to be murdering folk with that tongue. You're not supposed to be doing any of those things. And yet some in the body who claim the name is doing every bit of this. Y'all, y'all, please listen. Christ Jesus will, in fact, lay the axe to the root. This is not the hour to be playing with your salvation. Listen, you cannot live dirty and expect to go to heaven. So let us real quick come over here. We need... We need to see what the Lord has to say about this tree that refuses to grow fruit. 
over here in Matthew 7. Starting in verse 15, Jesus is talking about a tree and its fruit and that how you can judge it. Because he says, beware of the false prophets who come to you dressed as sheep, appearing gentle and innocent, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. That is by their, by their contrived doctrine and self-focus. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the unhealthy tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree, verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit, you will recognize them as false prophets. Because Jesus is telling us in verse 21, Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven because many will say to me on that day when I judge them, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and done many miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me. You are banished. You are banished from my presence who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. Amen. So, beloved, tell me again how Jesus is playing with us. When it comes to sin, we should have absolutely nothing to do with it. Not at all. Not even just like who was it, Paul, to not even have a form, a appearance of evil. Nothing about evil should be counted among the born-again, spirit-filled child of the Most High God who laid down his life and suffered and died on our behalf, so we don't face God's wrath. And some of y'all, listen, I'm not talking to the ones who are living clean and holy, who are being led by the Spirit. They walk not after the flesh, but the Spirit of God. And I'm not talking about sinless perfection. Nope. I am talking about obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about not disregarding his commands because, beloved, let me tell you what I know. There are false converts in the body. 
that are telling people we don't have to follow nor listen to Jesus' commands and teachings in the Gospels. Why? Because he was talking to his disciples because Jesus was a Jew living under the law. So everything he taught, it was for Israel and not Gentiles. But then we got we got ourselves a great big old problem with that high sounding nonsense because his disciples after the cross went out into the world and preached the good news. And what is that good news that Jesus told them to preach? Well, let's go to it. He says over here in Luke 24, let us jump down to verse 46. And he said, and so it is written that the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance necessary for forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Amen. So again, tell me how Jesus teaching about repentance is necessary for the forgiveness of sins was only for Jerusalem because here he's telling them to take his message of repentance to the nations, Gentiles. But first, preach this good, great gospel in Jerusalem. You want to know why he wanted it to start in Jerusalem? Because they killed him. They rejected who he said he was. And so the preaching of the gospel had to start there. And thank you, Holy Spirit. And when Peter did exactly that on the day of Pentecost, over 3,000 souls were saved because they wanted to know what must we do to be saved. And he preached the gospel. And so for anyone to teach us that we don't have to follow Jesus' commands and that it was only for Jerusalem and not for us Gentiles. Well, then how are we going to hear this message that repentance is necessary for the forgiveness of sins? Because without this core message, this is why we have these lukewarm backsliding Christians over here in the body of Christ talking about repentance is a work. Salvation is a free gift. We don't have to work for our salvation. Well, you know what? You're right. No one is talking about precious that you have to work for your salvation. The Bible says that you must work it out though. Once you are in the body, 
You must live clean and holy. That's not a work unto salvation. This is what happens when we are being saved. Fruit, good fruit, show up. It's supposed to show up if that tree is good, it's going to bear good fruit. Jesus said that. Well, he was only talking to Jerusalem. Hush. Because that's a doctrine of demons. Satan does. Satan wants the teaching of repentance to be squashed. Because repentance is so key. Because if there is no changing of the mind, if there is no renewing of the mind, then we will stay in sin. Yes, my hand is raised because this is why we have so many professing Christians living dirty. Hands are filthy. And then these are the same hands attached to these filthy lives that want to come up in these churches and raise them and praise God for his grace. I'm telling you all, the father ain't playing when it comes to that lake of fire. Listen, you cannot live however you want, claiming the name and still make it into his kingdom. The Bible tells us we must produce fruit in keeping with our repentance. So we know salvation is a free gift. Now that you are in the family, do you really think that Christ Jesus wants you to stay a slave to sin and only skate by with his grace? Well, guess what, Miss All? It's all about grace. You're right. And guess what about grace? It is amazing. And grace teaches us to reject all ungodliness and worldly, immoral desires. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Right. And I told y'all I got the trumpet out today. Yes, I'm heated because for all of these grace doctrines, that leave out the most important aspect that we must obey Jesus. Believing in Jesus means obeying and following and listening to him. So for all of this hyper grace teaching, because they want to highlight grace so that you will feel comfortable in your sin and that you have eternal security. But what about Titus 2? Starting in verse 11, let's go to it. Everybody loves to talk about grace, which we should talk about it, but not teach it as a doctrine to Take it for granted and a license to stay in your filthiness and your madness and your foolishness and not to mention your hypocrisy and self-delusion. Titus 2, 11, for the remarkable undeserved 
grace of God that brings salvation. Okay, because we know it is by his grace through that wonderful gift of grace. It brings us salvation. So this grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. How? In the form of Jesus Christ. So this grace, right? That everybody wants to keep throwing at us. Grace, grace, grace. We don't have to work. We don't have to do anything. Obedience is a work. All you got to do is just confess with your mouth and you're good to go. No, you're not good to go. You are being led astray by wolves. And let us let us be clear. Wolves are not only in the pulpit. So this uh, this undeserved grace, right? Well, verse 12, it teaches us to reject ungodliness. And that's the passage I have yet to hear from these once saved, always saved. They want to so much bash us with how God's grace. But then tell us about what this grace teaches us because they believe and they only hone in on the fact that you cannot out God's amazing grace. Okay. Why? Because the more we sin, the more grace abounds. So do we keep on sinning then so that his grace can more abound? Hold on. We're going to address that too. So back to this grace, it teaches us to do what? Reject ungodliness and worldly and moral desires and to live sensible, upright and godly lives. This is what grace does for the born again believer. Grace is not telling anyone that you get to live however you want and still get to go to heaven. Grace ain't saying that. The spirit of grace ain't saying that. The spirit of grace is teaching us to reject all ungodliness. That's what grace is teaching us. It ain't teaching us to take it as a license to sin. And then we want to pull out 1 John 1, 9 out the back pocket talking about, see, I confess my sin. God must forgive me because he is just and faithful. Well, beloved, he is. And once you and I are forgiven, we can't stay in that sin What you mean Jesus forgave me? Okay, but then why are you still in that in that adulterous remarriage? Why are you still cursing? 
Why are you still taking pot shots at the brethren? Why are you still attached to this world? Why do you still have that vile, nasty, mean tongue of yours? Why? Why? You keep telling everybody you are born again and you have all this wisdom about scripture and here you are trying to to school someone and all that you are saying is high sounding nonsense. Who is teaching these people these things, these doctrines of devils? Well, I can tell you who because Jesus told us who false prophets and teachers. So back over here to Titus and then we're going to move on. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives. Lives with a purpose that reflect spiritual maturity. Amen. This, thank you, Holy Spirit. This is what grace does for a person. Grace does not allow any one of us to slander the brethren. Grace does not allow us to keep rolling in deliberate, blatant, perpetual, knowing sin. It does not. It, what it says over here, it cultivates spiritual maturity so that we can live lives with a purpose. A God-centered purpose. That's what grace does. So I'm not seeing, okay? I'm not seeing any spiritual maturity in anyone who claims they are pointing out false teachers, but then they are making pot shots towards them. Listen, brethren, it's one thing to mark and avoid and expose evil. That's what we are supposed to do. When you start taking shots at what a person looks like, you are mocking their facial features or, or body types. See, now, we got to look at you with a side eye. It's one thing to point out corruption. It's one thing to cry aloud and spare nothing. But then when you are just being mean-spirited, you are talking about what this person looks like, what they, what they got on, and everything this individual say, here you are reporting on it as if it is the five o'clock news. I am not in the business to tell anyone you are not born again. But guess what? Jesus said that we can tell a tree by the fruit it bears and what is that fruit? Their lifestyles. Their lifestyles. If you are in public 
up on these social media platforms and you are displaying what kind of person you are by the venom that comes out of that mouth, well, you are bearing bad fruit. That's not good fruit. I don't see slandering of the brethren listed as one of the nine fruits of the spirit and no beloved you cannot hide behind well i'm just pointing out false teachings i'm po i'm pointing out false doctrine because i don't want the body of christ to be led astray okay that's what we supposed to do. But then what about that mouth? What about your perception of this? No, no, no. Your personal, apart from the word of God's assessment of a false teacher, when you start bringing in your own personal street style and you are degrading someone with that tongue we now talking about defamation we ain't talking about exposing so again you cannot live dirty and expect to go to heaven i hate to break it to you i'm sorry the spirit of grace teaches us and grows us so that we can live this born again life with a purpose. And the life we live, it will reflect where we are spiritually. That's what grace does for us. Amen. So like I said, you cannot... You cannot simply live a life of sin and still claim the name of Jesus as his follower. Beloved, listen, we are we are either a slave to sin and will inherit the punishment that is associated with it. Or we are slaves to righteousness and inherit the rewards associated with it. Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, died so that our sins could be forgiven. But a life lived in deliberate, blatant sin does not lead to salvation and nothing. And I mean absolutely nothing in the Bible even suggests that it would. God in heaven has never and will never be happy with rebellion and blasphemy. Did you hear that? We are saved by the grace of God and by grace alone. The Bible is extremely clear on this. But many people don't understand grace. Or what it means to follow Jesus. And that is why they ask 
How come they can't live however they want and still be saved? If you are being saved, it is because you have given your whole life, your heart to God. And a heart that has been given to God desires the things of God and does not desire to sin. Not at all. And the problem, yes, Holy Spirit, you're right. The problem is many who claim they are in the body of Christ apparently by their own actions and lifestyles do not know what sin is. People don't seem to think that gossiping is a sin. Some people seem to not know that slander is a sin. Some people, and I don't, hmm, they love to call other people, other people liars. But here they are lying up a storm. And if you think you are not lying, then you are deluded. I mean, outrageous lies lying so that you can get other unlearned spiritually immature Christians to sign on with your madness beloved just because You are covered by grace doesn't mean it gives you the right to do whatever you want with your body. And that includes that mouth of yours. No, when you become a follower of Jesus, you don't experience autonomy. For you are not self-ruled. And that's the problem we are having today. You and I become a slave to righteousness. You and I have a new master and his name is Lord Jesus. You and I are no longer a slave or a child of iniquity. You and I are no longer a slave to our sin. We are slaves to righteousness. You are not your own because you have been purchased and bought at a price. And that price was Christ. Amen. Listen. Paul is clear on this in Romans chapter 5 and 6. He was talking to the Christians in Rome. He was preaching this lavish grace on them. And they get the brilliant idea. Oh boy, here we go. Should I just go on abounding in my sin so the grace of God can abound even more? Hmm. No, no. The answer, the answer for them was no. (laughs) 
And the answer for us today is the same. Big fat, no ma'am. No, sir. It's like people want to highlight God's amazing grace and 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 how it abounds by willfully staying in sin. What kind of madness is that? Well, well, we just want to highlight just how great God's grace is. And so you you want to do that by staying in sin? You know that makes absolutely no kind of sense though, right? And some people believe that this is okay to do because the first thing that came into their minds were that question. And so <laughs> Okay. 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 So the answer is no. <laughs> no. Look. Their mentality, just like of most professing Christians today, multiplied sins comes multiplied grace. This is the mentality. In order to show that God's grace is so overwhelmingly amazing, their mentality is, well, I'll just sin more. And what was Paul's answer? God forbid. Listen, Paul said it like this. Here we are, Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know? That all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. Amen. And that life is not in sin, beloved. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, hallowed be thy holy name. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness and mercy. Thank you for being loving kindness that you saved my wretched soul from certain damnation. Father, you you call us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We are to make the most of every opportunity while we are still in these body suits, knowing that the days are short. These days are filled with evil, We ought not to waste precious time living in sin when we can be about your business, preaching this great good gospel, living as testimonies of your saving grace. We are to be sight, salt, and and light in this world. 
We are not to run after what the pagans run after. Christ Jesus told us what our primary focus should be. To first seek the kingdom of God and your righteousness. All that we need will be taken care of if we are living clean and holy. If we are finding out what pleases you, finding out what is right and what is wrong and do the right in your sight, whether we are in public or in private, we live clean and holy lives. Thank you for sending Lord Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins, his self-sacrifice appeased your wrath. You were satisfied with his sacrifice. You raised Jesus three days later from that tomb and Christ Jesus is alive today sitting at your right hand. Make it intercessions for his saints. Thank you Lord Jesus for willingly laying down your life for me. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live because Christ lives in me. This life that I live in this body, I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Thank you, Father, because no sin will ever enter heaven again. Revelation 21, 27, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Father, when you set up your kingdom, when you rain down the new earth and the new Jerusalem, nothing evil will ever enter it ever again. Only those, thank you, Holy Spirit, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life, and Father, people, people can play around and kick around your grace if, if they want to. That would be to their spiritual demise. You made it clear to us, to us. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. And Father, how could we ever forget John 3, 16? You demonstrated who you are to humanity. You are love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life amen father 
help us to understand that believing in Jesus, it is not only having a mental assent. <clears throat> it's not it's not only having a mental assent. It is not only about confessing him as someone's Lord and Savior, but then they don't obey their Lord and Savior. People want Jesus as Savior, but no one seems, not everyone, Father, but most and many do not want him as their Lord. Because being Lord, we must obey. He will have the final say. He has all the say. And our response to his Lordship is, yes, Lord. That's it. That should be the only response. If we have truly been born again and filled with your Holy Spirit, thank you for sending him. Then our response to any teachings of Jesus, whether whether he spoke them directly or through his disciples who went out into the world and preached his message, making disciples of Christ, we obey. We follow. We stick close to. We comply. We hold fast to, we observe, we conform, we heed, we stick to his commands. So, Father, I pray for the saints that we hold fast to Jesus. We hold fast to your word and that we stay out of sin. We don't make provision for the flesh. We detach ourselves from this world. We fellowship among true believers because iron sharpens iron. Thank you, Father, for your grace because it does teach us how to reject all ungodliness. And that spirit-filled life will be reflective of our spiritual maturity. Thank you, Father, for your grace. We give you glory today. We lift up your holy name. Hallowed be your name. We respect our God. And we will and we will show how much we love you by living clean and holy lives, walking with the spirit, being being led, being trained in righteousness. Thank you for it all. Bless you, Father. In Jesus mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Beloved, listen, if you love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will have no desire to sin because this flesh wants to continue on in sin. You got to kill it. Crucify, crucify, crucify that flesh, beloved. 
Do you not know Christ Jesus is on his way back? And when he returns, he will have his reward. And he will give to every person according to the fruit of his doings. Yes, we will all receive compensation for the life we lived. That is why we must be born again. Because when we stand before Jesus Christ, it will be at the judgment seat of Christ, a.k.a. the Bema seat, to receive rewards. And may none of those rewards win and may none of what we have done, we will lose rewards because all we do while we are in the kingdom, it is going to be tried by fire. When we stand before Jesus, it won't be to give an account for our sins, but how did we live this life in his name? Because he told us that. Many who believe they are born again, especially these false prophets that that he was he was warning us that how we can tell who's who by the fruit they bear. They are going to be shell shocked because they think that their works is going to get them into heaven. Works of what? Uh, casting out demons, prophesying in his name. Uh-uh. No. Works of obedience. Those works, when tried by that fire, will come out as precious gems, gold, so that we don't lose, as the Bible tells us, so that we don't lose any rewards. So, they can say what they want to say, that we... We are only living clean and holy so we can get rewards. Yes. <laughs> yes. Beloved, it is straight from the pit of hell. This teaching right here that we don't have to live clean and holy because our past, present, and future sins have all been rolled up into one big ball and nailed to the cross. So you don't have to live a life of repentance. For what? If your future sins have already been taken care of, all you have to do is just keep on believing in Jesus and you are good to go. No, you're not going to be good to go, beloved. The Bible is unanimous. We must walk in obedience because Jesus, I, you know what? I know you all are probably tired of us going back over here to John 10, 27, but we must because many are deceived and living in self-delusion. They think that Christ was talking about them when he said no man can pluck them out of his hand. But guess what? He told us and he identified clearly whom he was referring to. He said his sheep, okay, his true sheep, he knows them by name and they know him because they listen to his call. They follow. 
and they obey Jesus. They don't run after these strange voices. Uh-uh. No. And he was saying about them, they, he gives them eternal life and that no man can pluck them out of his hand and that no man is false teachers. Thank you, Holy Spirit, the false brethren. None of these false teachers can snatch us out of Jesus' hand because he comes with the truth. He is the truth. That's why we ain't following after empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from demons teaching as doctrines, their commandments and traditions, making the word of God of no effect. People are running after these false teachers rather than buckling down, settling down, and allowing Holy Spirit to train us, consecrate us, and sanctify us in holiness. Because them false teachings tell you that you don't have to live clean and holy. You don't have to repent. You don't have to, I guess, apparently obey because all you had to do was to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you are born again. No, nowhere in scripture is it even implied that all you have to do is have a mental assent. Because they love to go over there to Romans 10, don't they? Because you see right here, all you got to believe in your heart and, and confess Jesus is Lord and then you are saved. Completely taking that out of context. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get into it today because I have yet to make even a dent into my notes and we are already approaching one hour. Long story short about Romans 10, that is not, that is not, I'm going to say it again, that is not a two-step process for salvation. I'm not getting into it today. So listen, I am going to keep on highlighting the title of today's message. You cannot live dirty. You cannot live with clean. No, no, you, you cannot live with dirty hands and honestly expect to enter God's kingdom. Do you really think that that should even be possible for anyone? Because if that's the case, Christ died that horrific, bloody brutal, violent death for absolutely nothing. That if we, if we can remain in sin and still get in, then why was he even? Why, why was he even on the earth? If that's the case, 
Why even go through all of what he went through so that we don't face God's wrath if we can stay in sin and behave every bit of the devil? Beloved, I'm telling you personally what I know. You have these so-called followers claiming the name and just are nasty, wicked, and vile in behavior and still think they are doing God's work. I am witnessing this with my eyeballs. I'm telling you, beloved, listen, when you are preaching this good gospel and the Lord starts opening your eyes to wickedness, and this is the church my eyes are being open to because sinners in the world, right? They're going to do them. We preach them the gospel. All we do is, is plant and water and God gives the increase. Over here in the body of Christ, what I'm witnessing in, in, in these last days, it's not right. It's not right, beloved. Some of y'all, not all, in my mind's eye, right? I'm, I'm, I'm talking to those that I have encountered that claim the name and living in blatant open sin and they say no it's not sin and worse yet they carry in false doctrine on top of their slander and lies backbiting and just outright confrontational attitudes and mindsets it's not right because the purpose of grace and forgiveness is not that we have a quote unquote get out of jail card to play whenever we proceed with some sin. The purpose of grace and forgiveness is that our dastardly, wicked, evil, diabolical, Vicious, cruel, nefarious, rotten, monstrous, outrageous, murderous sins can be wiped up and tossed away so that we can live a new life in Christ. Amen. A born again, spirit filled life in Christ. Listen, those who think that it is okay to sin just because they expect God to forgive them have another thing coming. So let's think this through again, because having an easy attitude towards sin results from an inadequate experience of what Paul refers to as godly sorrow, because that's the problem. These ones 
These are they who have not experienced godly sorrow. Note, godly sorrow brings repentance. That leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death, brings death. Second Corinthians 7, 10. Beloved, the Bible is clear. Salvation comes through repentance. Yes, we must produce fruit in keeping with repentance because repentance and following Jesus and when we endure until the end, well, yeah, our salvation is secured. But guess what? It is not secured on day one because you've said some sinner's prayer that, by the way, is unbiblical. It, it ain't even scriptural. Yeah, but Romans 10, I told y'all, I'm not going there with you today about Romans 10. Paul was not giving us a doctrine of, of a, a sinner's prayer to quote, to be saved. Read chapter 9 first and then flow over to chapter 10. Then you will see why why he said what he said about confessing and believing in your heart. So... We must repent and turn from sin because otherwise, what's the point of receiving a savior? If you was, if you were just going to keep do, <clears throat> doing your weed, drinking like a drunkard, if you continue to play the harlot, if you continue to do all of these wickedness and wicked activities that First John, no, sorry. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 tells us who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5. What is that? Starting around verse 17, 17, 18, 19, down to uh, 21 or so talks about the works of the flesh. Jesus tells us what comes out of the heart is what defiles a man. And he tells us over there in Mark 7, all of that wickedness. And he lists those things that comes out of a man's heart. It defiles the person. So we are not just condemning people willy nilly. We are looking at the fruit that you produce. Listen, I don't know you from Adam. I don't know you from a can of paint. You are the ones who are displaying bad fruit. Well, this not bad fruit. Yes, it is. The problem is you are deceived and deluded to think that your behavior is good in the sight of God. Well, see, the, right, Holy Spirit, this is why the Lord sends his messengers to warn you before he judges you. He sent prophet after prophet day after day to warn the people that if they don't turn from worshiping idols, if they don't turn from their wicked ways, he is going to judge them. Did, did they follow the message of the prophet? No. In most cases, they killed the prophets. Yes. Why? Because they too was preaching, repent and turn. Otherwise, you're going to burn. 
Otherwise, you're going to be judged. And so this is what we do. We are warning the people. Once we got the, the beam out of our eyes, we telling the brethren, you got to get that speck out of your eye. Otherwise, Jesus is going to judge you. Well, only God can judge me. Beloved, you do not want holy God to judge you. So please stop saying that. The response should be, you know what? Let me go to the word of God and see what all are you talking about. And let me pray. Do that rather than, hmm, I don't know what you're talking about and just be being nasty because it gets to the point where we just got to stop casting pearls. These people are not heeding to God's wisdom. They turn around and shred you. Jesus told his disciples, shake the dust off your feet. If they don't receive you, if they don't receive the message I'm sending you out with, well, you know what? Shake the dust off your feet and keep it moving. Because whether we understand this or not, Jesus will, in fact, break the backs of the disobedient. Yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. So the problem with sin is that it impairs our ability to live the powerful, intimate, spirit-filled life indwelt with the power of God. So if you are living a life of sin, your life is miserable. I assure you, beloved. You and I cannot live in blatant sin and have peace. It's not, it's not possible and it is not biblical. Light and dark has, have nothing to do with one another. Just like Christ and the devil has no communion whatsoever. Jesus told us you can't serve two masters. That's why inwardly you are going insane. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And you are back on that broad way. It is insanity to think you and I have fellowship with holy God and living contrary to his word under the guise of exposing if you're going to expose, expose and move on. Why now are we hearing about your pot shots? What does the shape of a person, a person's eyes got to do with whether or not they are a false teacher? Huh? Huh? Yeah, I thought so. Well, because, you know, no. What does the shape of their body type has to do with your quote unquote exposing? Yeah. Have several seats, please. Listen, 
Okay, because we know the prescription for cleansing is first John one nine, right? And we don't and we don't take that verse and stick it in our back pockets with the understanding and the and the inward knowing that we ain't serious about repentance. We have no intention on stop sinning. Because 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, right, Holy Spirit, that tells me, okay, because my hand is raised. If we confess sin and claiming that we, we, are doing this in repentance. And if we, after that prayer, right, if we continue to live in more and more and more sin, then we have not repented because confessing means to agree with or to speak the same thing as. What it means is that I that I am to say the same thing about my sin as God says. The wages of sin is death. The unrighteous would not inherit the kingdom of God. All liars shall have their part in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone. Hmm. We must put this flesh on them scriptural truths. If you have sincerely repented, you confess to God. I lied. I'm a liar. I'm living a lifestyle of a liar. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Your word says to me that all liars, Jesus says in Revelation 21, 8, that all liars, all idolaters, all adulterers, all homosexuals, all that commit abominable, abominable, detestable acts, their place shall be in that lake of fire. Forgive me, Lord. And then once you get off your knees, you don't go back to that lifestyle. Once you have sincerely, truly repented, the grace of God, his forgiveness, it cleanses you. It, it cleanses you of all unrighteousness. You ain't looking to sin anymore. You are not looking to have a life that is characterized by sin. I'm not talking about absolute perfection because see that won't happen until these bodies are glorified when Jesus returned. Right? So how are we ought to live in the meantime? Spirit led, spirit filled, Growing and maturing in spiritual truth. Because again, the Bible just told us over there in Titus 2, right? That the purpose of grace is so that 
we can say no to sin and have the ability and the want to to say to say no. Why? Because of the gift of repentance. The gift of repentance is having the ability through God by his spirit to not even have a want to want to sin. Because once you come to Christ, right? He has defeated sin. Sin no longer is our master. He has abolished and destroyed the control and and dominating authority and, and mastery that sin had over us. Okay. If we say we believe and trust in Jesus, then we believe that sin is no longer our master because our master has broken those chains that once bound us to the kingdom of darkness. So if we believe that, then how come our lives are still characterized by sin? If you are sincerely, truly about your salvation, then you desire to sin not. The gift of repentance gives us that this supernatural because the spirit is now born again. Everything in our spirit is on board with the father and his word. We don't even want to sin, although we could, because once now that you are in the family, having been set free from the shackles and the bondage of sin, if you sin after that, it's because you want to sin. It's because I want to sin. I am, listen, okay, because we can't blame it on sin anymore. If we say we are born again and we and we continue to sin after that, we are not born again. Now, again, I'm I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just telling you what 1 John 3 tells us, starting around verse 4 down to verse 10, that children of God cannot continue to go on sinning. Why? Because God's seed his righteous character, his Holy Spirit lives in us now. Therefore, we cannot go on living a life that is characterized by sin. Because he tells us how we can identify who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. Amen. Listen, these are not my words. I agree because I lived this lifestyle claiming the name, but living in blatant sin, sitting up under false teachers. 
being spoon-fed the high-sounding nonsense that I have eternal security. On day one, there were, there were no teachings on living clean and holy. It was only about living and having your best life now. When you bring God money, he's going to bless your life. Well, guess what? That never showed up. The only person that got blessed with money was the bishop. He's the only one living high on the hog. And and when we complain, well, how come I'm not seeing any of these blessings? The answer was given. You don't have enough faith. Are you tithing regularly? Are you robbing God? Because, see, that's the problem. Some of y'all are robbing God. Bring the whole tithe. Bring first fruits. Bring the money and you will see prosperity and health and wealth show up in your life. Don't shortchange God because you will shortchange your blessings. Uh-uh, beloved. No, 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 no. We can't live with dirty hands and expect To inherit the kingdom of God. Listen. Okay. In closing. Okay. Death will come for us all. And we can never be sure when. No one is guaranteed tomorrow. So it is better to be ready today because some people have the mindset that they will live it up and before they die, they will return to God. They will repent and be saved. A huge problem with living in sin, beloved, and thinking that you will repent and turn to God before the end is that we never know when the end will be. A person could be the healthiest person in the world and still die in the middle of the night or get hit by a car on their way to work. It is much better to to be always ready to meet the living God because some things are certain, including the fact that everyone will die someday. And once they die, Everyone will stand before God and give an account of his or her life and then they will be judged. Let us stand before the beam of seat so that our works in Christ can be judged to be worthy so that we can receive our full reward because choosing the world is ultimately choosing not to be with God sooner or later sooner or later the bus will leave the station we just better make sure we are on the right one because there are no transfers no stops no detours and no return trips once the bus leaves the station our choice is final and if we decide not to choose a bus Then by default, we have chosen the wrong bus. There 
Beloved, I keep telling you all, there are only two choices. God and the wrong choice. Any choice that does not lead to God is the wrong choice. And just the same, any choice that leads us to God is the right choice. And what is the right choice? The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's why the Bible tells us to always be ready because Jesus comes as a thief in the night. So, in other words, we have no way of knowing when we will meet God. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed once for man to die, and after that comes certain judgment. Mm-hmm. Because when we choose not to follow Jesus, we have chosen poorly. Uh-huh. Intentionally living a life of sin and thinking that we will someday repent before it is too late. It is like playing chicken with the train with a blindfold on and earplugs in. We're not gonna make it. No, that's why Jesus stressed the importance of being ready for the kingdom of heaven. All we got to do is turn to Matthew 25, 1 to 13 and read the parable about those 10 virgins. Five were wise and the other five were foolish. That's why we must repent to be saved. The Bible is clear. It's clear that repentance comes before forgiveness and repentance is to turn away from our wicked ways and turn toward God. Acts 2.38 And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 3.19 Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Amen. So, real quick, okay. Let us talk about what is the gospel of the kingdom because most people in the body believe they have heard the gospel. Really? No, You and I have heard another gospel. That's why we think it is it is okay that we could willfully sin and still get into this kingdom as if God is just okie doke with our sin. Now, beloved, listen, the phrase kingdom of God and references References to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are used repeatedly in connection with the Lord Jesus and his work on earth. The word gospel simply means good news. And the term translated kingdom in the Greek means the realm in which a sovereign king rules. Throughout the New Testament, the word kingdom consistently refers to the rule of Christ in the hearts of believers. Since for the time being, Christ's kingdom is not of this world. 
we see in John 18, 36, Jesus was answering Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Amen. Listen, when Jesus began began his three-year earthly ministry, he preached that the kingdom of God is near. We see this in Luke 10, 9. The cross reference is Matthew 4, 17, that says from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was announcing to the whole world. I showed up the prophesied long awaited Messiah is here. I'm in the midst of you all repent. That was the first message when Jesus began his earthly ministry. That was the first preaching he preached. Repent. So you mean to tell me that because he was born as a Jew under law when, um, yeah, under law, when he when he taught this, that he was only speaking to those in Jerusalem who were under the law and that we Gentiles don't have to obey this because he wasn't speaking to us. So then what about his disciples after the crucifixion, after the book of Acts? Because they claim, well, the book of Acts is a book of, how they say it? Transitioning. So you mean telling me that we don't have to listen to Paul and Peter over there in the book of Acts too. Okay, so at what point do we follow Jesus? Because see now, I'm waiting. If we are not <clears throat> commanded to listen to what he said in the Gospels, if we are not heeding to teachings over there and the miracles being done over there in the book of Acts. Okay, so what part are we born again? When when, when do we live a born again life then? At what point? Okay, so what's the point of having the Bible if we are not adhering to sound doctrine? It don't make no kind of sense. Listen. <laughs> Luke 10, 9, Matthew 4, 17, and Mark 1, 14 to 15 gives a concise description of Jesus' primary focus during his time on earth. Listen, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. That means I'm here. The long-awaited prophesied Messiah is here. This time has been fulfilled. I've arrived. I'm here. So, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Amen. And when asked to define his kingdom, Jesus explained it this way. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God 
is not coming in ways that can be observed, right? He was saying the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Study Luke 17, 20 to 21, because he was saying that how no one can say, look, here it is, or there, or behold, the king, because he was saying, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst. So before his kingdom literally touched down on the earth, will we experience the kingdom of God, which is in us. And Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Listen, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the gospel of the kingdom is the good news message of what? Repentance, redemption, and restoration offered by God to all who who will receive Christ. Those who accept this offer become a part of his eternal kingdom. Yes, John 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. And those who choose to remain in their sin cannot be part of this kingdom. Amen. So let us, let us come over here to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Now, now I've already quoted this, but we may need to lay our eyeballs on what these sins are because many are doing these things and claiming, well, I'm under grace. I'm under grace. So I'm forgiven. Yeah, but you're not supposed to be still living the life of a sinner under grace. No, did we not just learn from Holy Spirit that grace teaches us to reject all ungodliness. It means to say no to what? Here we go. Um, or do you not know? That the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So if we are doing and living and participating in any one of these sins, we're not going to get in. Beloved, please study Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Matter of fact, not to say that you're not, but let us read it. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, 
fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, see, envy, drunkenness, see, beloved, orgies, and things like these. Paul was like, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. And so for all of these grace, grace, gracers who wants to live every bit in sin. Why not crack open your Bible and plant yourself in these scriptures? Because if you find yourself doing any one of these things, the Lord says you will not inherit his kingdom. And some are so deceived to think that they are not listed among these things when in fact they are. No, beloved. Listen, although grace makes this offer available to anyone who will receive it, who will repent. Well, listen, Jesus warned that it will be very difficult to enter his kingdom and few would do so. You want to know why? Okay. People claim, yes, I have repented. But look at your life. People, listen. Some of us in the body of Christ ain't giving up certain sins. We are so deceived. What do you mean you're not coming up out of that adulterous remarriage? What do you mean you are not going to stop smoking this weed? What do you mean you can't help but to fornicate and masturbate to the porn you refuse to give up? What do you mean? No, you can't keep on living dirty and expect to enter the kingdom of God because the message of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom is the news that there is freedom from our slavery to sin if we will repent and turn to God. Listen. I got I got to give it to y'all. Romans 6. Romans 6, 18 to 19. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. Amen. And what is sanctification? It is being set apart as holy unto God for his purposes and his plans with your life. Yes, so Paul is like <clears throat> that same energy you and I put into wickedness and unrighteousness. Well, guess what? Now that we have been set free from sin and, and the shackles of it, we'll put that same energy that we did living for the devil. But now 
keep that energy and now live for righteousness. Just how we broke our necks to commit sin. Well, that same zeal now do it and live it for righteousness. Amen. So the message of the kingdom of God is that you must repent and believe and turn back to God. Amen. But sad to say, many would rather cling to their old sinful identities than allow Jesus to create them anew. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen. Is there, beloved, let me ask you, is there newness of life going on with you? Is there a stark contrast of the old you before Christ, before being spirit filled and led versus now? How do your how does your life look like now? Now that you say you are born again, because if you still living in homosexuality, if you still living in fornication, are you still living with your living lover? Are you still smoking them cigarettes? Are you still partying? Are you still, are you still reveling? Are you still lying and gossiping and backbiting? Are you still living no different than when you say you were born again? Because if so, you just may not be born again. Now, listen, John said how we can tell who is who. Beloved, it is what it is. Are the, either you are a saint or you ain't. And the proof in the pudding would be your life. The way you live is a reflection of where you are spiritually. That's biblical. This ain't calling no one out. This ain't about throwing shade. This is not about judging or pointing fingers. And it is most certainly not about self-righteousness. Beloved, listen, I love you. And I don't want to see anyone, myself included, on the broad way to hell. Even Paul said that he keeps his body under subjection. He beat it. He made it obey his, his born again spirit. Because he was saying, having preached the gospel, that if he don't keep his own self in check, then he will become a castaway and what? Miss it. After all the preaching, all of being an apostle, setting up these uh, churches, training young ministers and pastors how to run the church, if you will, how to preach and teach sound doctrine, how listing all those sins that will keep us out of heaven and for him to willfully be in sin and miss it. 
No. And see, many of you love, love to pull on Paul over there in Romans 7 talking about, oh, wretched man that I am. No, Paul was not double minded. Yeah, but then Paul, Paul was talking about, you know, I want to do good, but I don't. And the good that I do, I don't do that. The more of the bad, I seem to do that more. Oh, wretched man that I am. Yeah, you will be wretched, old man that, that you are, when, when they were living up under the law. Before Christ went to the cross, they had to, their... They had to do many works in order to be made right with God. And the Bible tells us, well, guess what? Keeping the law does not make anyone justified before holy God. One of the, the premise of the law was to highlight sin. That's why they had to sacrifice animals as a temporary covering of their sins. But once Christ has come on the scene, died, was buried, rose again three days later, still alive. Through him, we can have forgiveness of our sins when we repent. But Paul was not born again, spirit filled. When when he penned Romans 7, he was not. He was not pinning that as a born again say, I mean, a born again believer who is still in sin. He was putting himself in in the shoes of those who lived under the law. That no matter what you do, because no one was able to keep the law as try as as they might wanted to keep it all, but they couldn't. So, yeah, you will feel wretched in your soul. So when he wrote that, he wasn't spirit filled, but then going back and forth and back and forth. And people who are going back and forth and back and forth love to come over here to Romans 7. What is that? Verse 24 talking about see Paul. Even Paul had a problem with sin. Well, then if that's the case. If he had a problem with sin, why was he so adamant about us not being in sin? Because he then that would make him a hypocrite. It, right, Holy Spirit. If he's experiencing all of this old wretched man, but then telling us don't sin. Otherwise, you're going to burn. But then here he is. No, beloved. Study. Romans 7, because Romans 7 was talking about the law. So, anywho, listen, I'm going to let you all go. Okay. In super duper, in super duper closing, citizens of the kingdom of God, we live here on, on assignment from our Heavenly Father, the King, living with a kingdom mindset empowers us to make wiser decisions as we invest our lives in furthering the gospel of the kingdom. That what? God has made a way. Yes, he made a way. Let us pray. 
Father, thank you for today's message, and I pray that it brought you glory. We see over here in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them and in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this message of the kingdom of God. We must repent. We must believe and turn back to you. Thank you, Father, for continuing to give us wisdom, grace, love, peace, and joy. Thank you, Father. We would, we would have it no other way. We listen to our good shepherd. He is the door. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. Those who walk in the light have absolutely nothing to do with darkness. Thank you for being the light. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. All right, beloved. Listen, repent and believe. Stop sinning. Turn from your old way of thinking. Come to Christ Jesus and remain abiding in him. Yes, we are commanded to live clean and holy. And that is not and that is not a work unto salvation. Now that we are in the family, we are supposed to live clean and holy and righteous. And don't let no one, and I mean anyone, tell you otherwise. You want to know why? They did not die and shed blood for you. We don't follow strange voices. We listen to the master. If he tells us to go, comma, and sin no more, that's for the whole world. That is not for Jerusalem. You can bet your bottom dollar that what the Lord Jesus says, it is for everyone. Why? Thank you, Holy Spirit, because he died for the whole world. Amen. He didn't just die for those in Jerusalem. He died so that if anyone, the Bible says whosoever, it didn't say only Jewish people believe in Jesus, they will not perish. The Bible says 
whosoever. Amen. Amen. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye. Thank you.